0: And I'm here with my friend, Miles. Miles, how you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. Uh, recently, I've... Coronavirus is on the upsurge. Uh, no surprise there for flu season, which is a bit rough. And uh, thanks taking is coming up, which from my perspective is just annoying because it's fucking up our mutual aid operation. So there's a lot to figure out there.
0: Um, Spoken like a true no fun anarchist.
1: Yeah, man, I... I realized there's so much of me that's just like, no fun, no fun, no fun. But I I assure you, I want that fun. I want it. (laughs) Give it to me. Give it to me. Socialist fun, though. Please give me the socialist Only socialist
2: fun. We've also got Vic on the line. Vic, how you doing? What up, what up? What's going on? How y'all feeling today? I'm just out here waiting for thanks taking. I like that new term. I've never heard it before this year. And yeah, just doing a lot of organizing, looking towards 2022 and seeing what's going to happen there and still debriefing from this election, realizing how much capacity I really have when I'm not like 24-7 trying to phone bank and knock on doors and do other things. Sucks up a lot of energy, but I'm good. So how are you feeling, man? Definitely. Yeah, the same.
0: Uh, yeah, kind of same. Feeling a bit of the post-election slump in a good and bad way. Just been doing a lot of... uh honestly 3d printing which has been fun uh something i've always enjoyed and i got a printer on a crazy deal uh it really shows you how much you don't need to buy shit if you you know a little diy um but i just want to project right now jordan uh right now is storage bins and christmas presents because i don't have money to buy christmas presents for people this year uh so i'm gonna have to make them but i just want to address real fact real fast guys Uh, your hatred of thanksgiving and uh, i know this isn't the episode topic but i will hear no slander a perfectly nice holiday that gets a lot of shit from people if you hate your family that has nothing to do with thanksgiving okay
2: i don't mind my family i don't mind arguing with them Uh, (laughs) i remember one time when i knew i was you know getting more radicalized some people were talking about obama and i was just like all right cool cool i let them talk i let them talk and then I started talking, and someone was like, why don't we just eat? <laughs> they wouldn't let me finish, because I was about to tear into that fucking God Obama that my grandma has a picture of Jesus, MLK, and fucking Obama in the fucking <laughs> room. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, why I, don't we I eat? Uh,
1: am not the one that actually starts arguments at Thanksgiving. It's pretty much my dad, because he's just an extraordinarily opinionated person, and like any occasion. So... It's all good. We just get we just get blasted and argue with one another. No big deal.
2: Yeah. I love my family, but we'll pass this year. Anyway, let's get into yeah. this.
0: Yeah, let's jump into it. So today, uh, we thought, you know, for Thanksgiving, or for the holiday season, I guess you, I should say, why not have a fun, uplifting episode about labor theory? So today, we're going to be talking about... um You know, we all understand the idea that capitalists exploit us, but, like, that idea didn't come from nowhere, right? So we're going to talk about the two different major theories of labor, uh, subjective theory of value and the labor theory of value.
2: Yeah, this is all, like, heady academic shit, but it definitely has real-world circumstances, and, like, it could be applied. Like, we see it happening all around us, you know? Definitely, and and at least
1: with the subjective theory of value – This is conventional wisdom. So despite the fact that we're giving a little bit more of the context behind the ideas, really, I would say most listeners, if not all listeners, can express the subjective theory of value or give an example of it. And we're often given examples of the subjective theory of value. So with that note, what is the subjective theory of value? So first to introduce the people that first proposed uh, this idea, it's attributed to a few Uh, theorists, William Stanley Devons, Leon Walrus, Carl Menger, and it was proposed in the 19th century. Um, And so there's a few key points related to the subjective theory of value. Uh, And you might be saying, well, how does this relate to labor? Well, um, we're going to get to that. So the the value of a good or service is determined by the consumer's wants and needs. And anyone that's taken uh, economics in school, you probably are acquainted with the idea that like the value of goods in a market, how are they determined? The relative demand by consumers, right? What do consumers want? What do they need? And here's a really important point that I think is very interesting. There is an assumption that such trades are voluntary and absent of coercion. So coercion is pretty much like someone holding a gun to your head or forcing you to do something Right. So really important point here, this theory, this theory, which I think is conventional wisdom in the U S it relies upon the idea that we're not being coerced to do things. Yeah. We are. Um, yeah. I I I, feel very
0: free right now. Yeah.
1: I feel very free as well. I feel very free as well. So I, I don't know about you listener, but in terms of that idea to me, that's a false assumption. Um, but let's, let's move on. Let's hear out this theory. Let's, let's, let's continue. So, um, a really core concept here is the concept of marginal utility. Um, and what marginal utility is, is, is the idea that when you get something that's desired a com- commodity, which just means like a resource, uh, which is considered to be, you could change that, exchange that resource for another very similar, exactly similar uh, version of itself for something else. So like a cup with a cup. Um, commodity, uh, so it's the premise that obtaining the commodity uh desired it reduces the value of the same commodity again so it's like if i go and buy a sports bottle for working out with right well i don't necessarily want to go and buy another sports bottle to purchase because i already have one, okay um, makes sense makes sense and i mean this makes a lot of sense in fact i would say um there's a lot of people this is a very familiar idea and in fact that uh this idea the subjective theory of value because it applies to commodities, it is also applying to labor as well, because labor is considered to be a commodity too. Like think about the production line in a production line, you have one person doing a certain activity and ideally, right. From a capitalist point of view, you could replace that person. Anyone could sort of be replaced and, and do that function in a production line. Um, and this is, extends then the theory of value to
0: the domain of wages Mm. and wow this is very humanizing i must say i've always wanted to think of myself and my time as a commodity or a wage earner that's right
1: you are not you're not you're not a human anymore you are a cup jordan (laughs) we're drinking as much value from you as we can (laughs) but since since this is applied to the domain of labor it extends into wages. And so if we, if we think about labor as something that can be valued at greater or lesser, depending upon whether or not we can just, whether we have it already, then that means we can use it to explain how wages can be offered below a level of survival. And this is, this is where we get the discourse of a living wage. Um, I don't know where our, you are as a listener, um, but in California, Receiving a minimum wage of the federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour is not a living wage. Okay, Um, so given the arguments of subjective theory of value from the popular wisdom, most are usually related to the relative. So in, in terms of labor, I think a commonly heard example is the relative value of a doctor's labor compared to the labor of an unskilled wage earner. Um, the idea that always proposed like, oh, well, a doctor should be paid more than uh, an unskilled wage earner, right? Because marginally, in terms of the usefulness and, and, and the ability for people to get health care, a doctor is in more demand. Their labor is in more demand. Jordan, Vic, can you think of other examples from yourself that you have heard like argued? A CEO, Putting would, you all on
0: the spot here. I would say a CEO. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say the same thing, even though like, I yeah. I don't know. And then like conventionally, I don't know. People always like cite like certain trades, like, I don't know, like a uh, fucking plumber or whatever. They're you know, like, oh, their labor is more valuable than like a fast food worker because to be a plumber, you have to get training and this, that and the other thing, right? Even though if there were no fast food workers, you would also have no food which is, you know, it doesn't matter if your pipes work, if you have no food.
1: Right. So this has really been adopted and, and valued in a big way uh, by, I would argue, capitalists because it, it solved a, a paradox. It's called the diamond water paradox or the or the value paradox. And the idea behind this was that <laughs> diamonds could be found via chance through minimal labor, despite the fact that the majority of diamonds are coming from Africa and, and obtained via slave labor and coercion. Um, We'll ignore that for the purposes of explaining and rationalizing this theory. Um, And that, uh, so like, Oh, now you're sounding like a good capitalist. (laughs) What can I say? I've, I've been, I've been trained. I got the dog whistles down. Um, And uh, so, so basically this is, this is an argument like, Oh, okay, well we can find a diamond and it's found through chance, and that's minimal labor. So really, we didn't do labor, but we got something of great value. And furthermore, is, uh, a diamond can be valued greater than a resource with greater like inherent value in terms of its use, uh, like say water. Um, but yeah, I want to bring us back to one assumption of this theory is that it's predicated on the absence of coercion. And if we look historically, even, even today, but like especially, his, maybe not especially historically, but today and historically, coercion has been in civilization since the beginning, greater and, and lesser levels of coercion. Um, so I, to me, that I think is a fatal flaw because it's assuming an ideal condition without coercion, but that's just not how it's been. There's been yeah. many different modes of oppression and coercion throughout history.
2: Yeah, like I can't have anything if I'm not part of the system. So inherently, like just to be down to eat, I have to like take part in the system. I can't remove myself and still fulfill my needs. Right. And this is something that liberalism and capitalism tries to It's funny that you
0: say this theory is predicated on that idea because if you ask a liberal or capitalist, they will they might say it, but they will they won't acknowledge the real condition on the ground, you know, like Obviously, okay, who makes the call here, right? Like, we're talking about society values these people. Okay, Uh, go to 10 of your friends or neighbors or just any – take a survey poll of Americans, and you're going to find out that Wall Street execs are hated. People think Wall Street executives are fucking scum lizards, right? They make, like, way more money than, I don't know, a nurse, which people – uh, everybody loves nurses, right? Everybody loves firefighters. They're hunks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People. We keep making movies about how insane Wall Street executives are. Like, we hate them, but they get paid more. Who decides that? wasn't Wasn't us?
2: Yeah, and this sort of goes down to like the labor theory of value and Marx's whole critique of the system, because Marx thinks there's an inherent contradiction in where excess labor accumulates. So. To start it all off, I'm going to bring it back a bit to the labor theory of value. All right. Shout out to OG Karl Marx, who everyone associates this with him. But other people also, like Adam Smith, David Ricardo, who are the fathers of quote-unquote modern economics, they also subscribe to the labor theory of value. Like, they understand it, they believe in it, and it's part of their whole economic way they see the world. What? Adam Smith. Exactly, right? It's Sacrilege. Just, mm-hmm. Sacrilege. It's not just some fucking Marxist shit that we're talking here. All right, let's break it down a bit. It's the labor theory of value. It's not like the price of things, but it's the circ- the price of things has to do with like Miles says, like the circumstances between the buyer and the seller and what's happening around culturally and what people associate with um certain goods, right? But The labor theory of value is about value. Like there's value in an item because labor went into it. Time and labor went into it, right? And for every society to exist, we need food, clothing, and shelter. And some people have to do that labor of the food, clothing, and shelter. Because that excess labor of making the food, clothing, and shelter is what makes society run. Basically. Right. So every society has this and this has to happen. Mark says this relationship of where all this excess labor goes is going to tell you where the injustices are in that society. So the relationship between who's taking all this excess labor, where all this excess labor is going, where is it getting parsed out is will tell you what's fucked up with that society and what's fucked up with that system. A few examples, you got something like slavery. That's the system. You got the master, you got the slave. The slave is doing all the labor, all the labor is being extracted, going to the masters, and the masters like the system, they want to propagate the system and keep the system going. That's slavery. Then you got the lord and the serf. The serf works the land, produces way more than he could possibly use. What happens to that excess? Does it get... Distributed evenly throughout society? No. The Lord keeps it and does with it what he wants. Now, under capitalism, we have employer, employee. The employee works, makes excess value, excess value in his labor. What happens with that excess value? Does it get redistributed fairly? No. It goes to the employer to do what he wants with it and what they want with it, where it goes up the corporate chain. And Marx is saying this relationship will tell you where society's fucked up. And how to fix it not how to fix it but like we think how to fix it is obviously socialism and attack those ills and redistribute all that shared value so wait so just to be clear when you say
0: excess labor like let's take the employer employee relationship like what is that what is excess labor and excess value
2: yeah I, okay so i get paid five bucks an hour to make pizzas right in five in one hour, I'm making way more than $5 worth of pizza. Okay. Yeah. And now the employer takes that, this dough, cheese, sauce, and pepperoni that I combined with my labor and sells that. And that the value of what that pizza is comes from my time.
0: And right, right.
2: I only get a portion of it because I only get $5 an hour, even though 10 of us are making pizzas and we're selling thousands of slices. Mm. I only still get my five bucks
0: as this is a theory that was also posited by the philosopher elmo when he said um uh boss makes a dollar i make a dime that's why i shit on company time
2: (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so like it's may not be as extreme and extremes are like subjective terms you know what i mean like being a slaver back in 1770 something wasn't seemed as extreme like being an employer now doesn't seem so extreme but we obviously know there's a problem with that fucking institution of slavery and how it could not last hopefully at some point we look at the way employers employees operate and see that this just can't happen this can't operate this way because it's doesn't lead to a functioning society because the natural conclusion is all the resources, all the quote unquote profits and excess labor are being concentrated more and more into the hands of few and fewer. It is becoming a more extreme concentration of wealth. Uh huh. Right? Yeah.
1: And uh, yeah. And there's greater inequality at this point in history than there has been in a long, long, long time. Love to enter
0: the cool zone of inequality that's like Gilded Age levels. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because, I mean, this system is designed on the face of it to, uh, you know, funnel and concentrate. Well, I mean, what else could it do if somebody's making a lot more than you by definition just because of their uh, the capital they have, you know, at birth, basically?
2: Yeah. And it's to bring it back to birth is like, all right, so now I have a kid. Do I want my kid to be an employer or an employee? How am I going to raise my kid to have, like, you know, the social norms of an employer or the social norms of an employee? Right? Right, L.A. Yeah. Right. yeah, so I got to send him off to college to get him properly trained to be an employer and right. do all that. And now I have my neighbor working class. That kid doesn't want to go to college, which is fine. So do I treat my kid differently? Do I want my kid hanging out with that employee? potential employee or do I want my kid more in that affluent neighborhood hanging out with potential employers? And that, you know, that choice is a tough choice to put into people's heads. And again, we may not see it as extreme as we look upon slavery, but Mm. some would say it's fucking extreme. And to go back to slavery, that economic system was predicated on race. So now we got race and economics, and profits, stolen labor, all tied in together for over 400 fucking years, like, we could never separate that. You you can't talk about being anti-capitalist without being pro-black. Like, those two things, because of how it happened here. You know what I mean? Like, this is an economic system, slavery, that happened here, and it brought so much suffering for so long, so much profit so much stolen labor that this whole country was founded and then it ends like yo there's still a psychic blow that has to be dealt with there's still an economic blow that has to be dealt with that's why people talk about reparations if you look on it on paper you got to give them that money (laughs) like that's the bottom line that's the like there is no other way to look at it and it's so tied in together that like yeah, it's always about race. It's always about class. It's always about profits, and it's always about all three together. You can't just take separate those. Especially, I'm talking about this country when you're trying to analyze any sort of this system that has to be taken into account and how that factors in. And it's and not, yeah, it's not easy. I I think I think like
1: the the normalized forces and ideas are are even more intersectional and thorough than what we're talking about because like let's also think about woman's work right emerging and you know that coercion is emergent from the patriarchy so there's so many different mechanisms of coercion which to my from my perspective undermine the premises of what's been normalized in terms of like the exchange and commoditization of our labor the subjective uh, theory of, of value um and and the subjective theory of value was proposed after the labor theory of value huh. right and and so the way I see it is, is really us as socialists, we've come to a point of questioning a lot of the the normative hegemony, right? A lot of the normative hegemony and, and coercion. Like your example, Vic, of, you know, we perceive it as like employer-employee. Um, and and even, even if we want our kid to be the employer, right? That's an acceptance of the norms. It's an acceptance of the norms and the systems. We don't even get to a point necessarily well many people where they're questioning that inherent foundation. Um, and I think part of that is because, Hey, I never, you know, I wasn't educated in high school, not even college about the labor theory of value or Marxist economics. But I received a pretty good education about Keynesian economics and the current capitalist paradigm of economics. So
0: you're saying, uh, turning point USA is lying when they say that all, uh, universities are nothing but Marxism factories. God, I wish that were true.
1: I didn't mean to shock everybody.
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> um, well, you know, that's a good point that uh, Vic brings up too about, you know, how the premise of the system, right. Is not only there's no coercion, but also that everyone starts out on an equal playing field. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, that's why you can't separate race and class in America. Cause it's like that reparations. It's like, how would the playing field ever setting aside modern racism, how would it ever be even materially? Um, And there's actually a really good book called Fly Over Country by Sarah Cres, however you say it. And she talks about the merit, the modern meritocracy. Right. And the fact that like to replace the aristocracy, right. Uh, When in the modern times, right. The aristocracy used to pass down wealth and status by blood. Now it's passed down by college. Like you identified, right. Like, Kind of, right? By your, mm-hmm. your merits, your qualifications. Yeah. So if you can afford to have unpaid internships, if you can afford to go to a really nice college, can you be a legacy admit? Because your parents went there. Rebuilding of the aristocracy in a way that launders their position to be like, well, I went to Harvard. I deserve this money. I went to wherever fucking, you know, whatever I did. And I deserve to make more than you. Because, you know, I sacrificed by being born rich.
1: <laughs> Professional managerial class trap.
2: That's another fucking whole class of folks who aren't. Are they really a class? We can't get into this now. <laughs>
0: I don't know. That was really confusing. First off, PMC sounds like the acronym for like a revolutionary <laughs> army, in like you
1: know. I mean, from from my perspective, like everything we talk about with college and and the push for people to go to college. I mean, that's part of adopting the norms. But I, the way I see it, like the PMC is basically the people that serve capitalists, and the middle class was urged to become the PMC with earnest. I mean, I look at the economy today and I see it's it's crumbling in respect. It's just it's just a lot of like
2: symbolism. Symbolism? But- what are you talking about? Symbolism. Like there are heroes out there on the front lines, like really like putting their lives on the line for us and we salute them for a few weeks, then we stop saluting them. Okay? There are heroes out there. Like the grocery workers, right? Hey, remember yep. when they got hazard has pay? Someone workers. brought that up yesterday. No has I was like, hazard oh, pay? Gee, yeah.
0: For what? I forgot about that. They did that for what, like two months, one month? And the hazard went away, so they did the pay. Yeah, I mean, now covered rates are down. They're definitely not putting bodies in uh trucks in Texas or trailers, you know? Yep. El Paso isn't
1: in bad shape. They didn't send the National Guard to help. National Guard? Yeah, if I recall, uh national guard was sent to el
0: paso to help because their morgues are overflowing just for infrastructure and this is this is such classic like capitalism and neoliberalism right like hey uh could should we deploy the national guard to like bring everybody food so they stay home and like don't spread the deadly virus that kills people it's like nah we'll bring them in to cart the people out of the the hospital you know like that's when it's worth their time
2: yeah and Fuck Trump, but like it's not a Trump thing. It's not a GOP thing because these other motherfuckers have no other plan but to have like a prettier bus. You know, the bus drivers will be black. They'll come there. The people driving the ice trucks will be black. So, yeah, yeah, that solves the problem, and that's like the difference. You know, we got representation.
0: Yo, the manager at the uh, at the morgue is black, so it's all good. Yeah, dude, I was yelling at my brother about this late last night. We. Because he kept saying, like, oh, well, you know, if Democrats were in control of the country, the virus would have been better. Like, we would have done stuff the right way. And I said, okay, let's pull up some statistics of other countries, right? Um, So, we pulled up, like, Vietnam versus Great Britain. And it turns out, I didn't know this, Great Britain has a worse death rate than us. And I was like, okay, dude, like, this is your, like, not Trump. Trump's not, Mm -hmm. you know, running the UK. I know Boris Johnson is, but, like... Like, obviously, they weren't going to do better. They're not doing better in your localities, right? So that kind of brings us to our next point, right? Is like the liberals and everybody loves to debate like, okay, Joe Biden's the president now, uh, Democrats, well, they're not in control, but like Democrats can control this better. But let's look at where what do Democrats control in America? Obviously, they've given up the federal and state legislatures for the most part. Um, but one thing they do control in almost every state is the major cities, right? They yep. control almost every urban core in the country including the one we're in right now, the Los Angeles area. So you might want to ask, you know, for those of you who don't live in the urban cores, what the fuck has been going on in the urban cores? Well, let me tell you, nothing good.
2: Uh, Are you guys prepared for your uh, new Safer at Home order? Is it the revised one or which one is it? Did you check the website? I've got TP all over the the house, stocked up. (laughs) Floor to
0: ceiling. Did you guys check the website, longbeach.gov slash COVID-19? Oh, yeah. Actually, let's do a fun game right now. Uh, Go to longbeach.gov slash COVID-19. Go on there. And I'm going to give – let me know when you're on there. I'm going to start a timer. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Stopwatch. Okay, Miles, do you have it up? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it up. Okay. I'm going to give you – uh, you know, let's say one minute. I want you to find out. Uh, what's like a good thing? I don't know how many people. T- t- just I, I, you got to figure out uh, what businesses are allowed to be open. Okay. okay. You have one minute. Okay. Go. All right. I'm on it. COVID nineteen orders. Not individuals. Um, Skip that.
2: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Go go go. Orders
1: and protocol.
2: Go go. Businesses. I'm there. All right. Oh Audiences shit. Okay. Oh, my God. Local.
1: Skills. Internet skills. Okay, oh, Vicks. I had a <laughs> files.
2: surprising me. Well, and... Uh, I maybe. Oh, it's easy. Ah, come on, dude. Stop the timer. I got it. I got it. I got it. All you got to do is do a risk assessment, implement it, post <laughs> it, attach... Yeah, post... Download Appendix A and post it because you filled it out. Oh, man, man. Or a city issued industry specific protocol required by this order as they may be amended time to time oh. prior to operation okay that's it
1: i found mobile food vendor <laughs> protocols uh but it's not in a format i can open does that count <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then you know looking at like okay imagine well i don't have to imagine as a word, so when we were preparing this episode uh my two comrades here you know, they they decided to do the research parts about labor theory values. And they said, Jordan, can you uh, handle looking into the new um, safer at home health order for Long Beach? And I said, how hard could that be? Sure, why not? So, you know, I go to the document because I'm like, I'm a, I'm the type of guy that will read a whole document of, you know, 20, 30 pages. No problem, dude. I'll read the whole thing if I'm mad, okay? Uh, I went and I'm at on my lunch break and I, I look at it and it's 216 <laughs> fucking pages, dude. it's 216 pages but don't worry they highlighted the differences for us so as a lot of you probably know the cases have been skyrocketing right lately yeah um, all over the country which is funny because they keep talking about well democrats are doing way better it's like okay well why are we like similar to what's happening in like red state arkansas
2: like doesn't that disprove your theory Yeah, it's getting bad in Long Beach also. There's like 45 new cases over the past four days. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm.
2: Like, we, this, to to give context, the safer at home order came down for the 20th, for the, no, I'm sorry, the 21st, Saturday Mm -hmm. night, and now from 10 o'clock to 5 a.m., you can't be outside your house, you can't be driving around, you can't be doing anything unless you're an essential worker. And this is a mandate. We need to keep economic activity during the day
0: going because yes. it's ultimately okay to die for profits. That's the thing, right? So the cases are skyrocketing. What, what do the liberal mayors, what is our liberal mayor and the, the city of LA and long beach have in their tool belt, right? Uh, the only thing they've done is this complicated ass Mickey mouse order, again, updating it to have, uh, they don't call it a curfew. They call it safer at home because you know, <laughs> there's they only call it curfew when it's a BLM protest. Oh, um, eufem- <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> euphemisms. Please, but, euphemisms. funny you say that, Vic. Uh, you can't go anywhere past 10. You're actually wrong about that. Um, there's exceptions for essential businesses, operation, maintenance, uh, which is funny because I thought only essential businesses were open. But I'm wrong because in the daytime, I guess, any fucking business can be open. But it specifically says here. Nothing in this section prevents any number of persons from the same household from leaving their residence, lodging, or temporary accommodation as long as they do not engage in any interaction with or otherwise gather with any number of persons with or from any other household except to engage in activities associated with the operation, maintenance, or usage of essential… Like,
2: what? what So I could, so you
0: can leave your house?
2: As a group, but I can't interact with another group, but we could… Right. But if we're going mean, to like, do some essential work like make a movie, that's fine.
1: I have a that, subjective subjective definition of what essential work is. So, great. I'm going to go, you know, it's essential that I have a party. Yeah, there you is, know. That is essential for me.
0: That's a great question because, you know, honestly, in reading this, I, I I genuinely can't figure out what the fuck. When I said go to the website, I was honestly trying to cheat a little bit because I honestly, in this order, I, I really can't figure out. Like, they've got appendices for, like, every single business, but, like, you have to look at, like, every app- – Tendencies like like wanna, tennis. we've got order. tennis protocols in here dude tennis yeah there's a five-page document that i just got linked to about the rules for tennis
2: like this is
0: centers. okay i mean it's essential i love hitting balls around it, it literally has a section for coaching tennis coaching private lessons are allowed using proper physical no. distancing techniques to alpha okay dude that's there's ridiculous. no plan in here for unhoused people. It literally just says at one point that this order excludes unhoused people, but there's no plan for them. So it literally we're thinking about tennis coaches, private sorry, tennis <laughs> private tennis lessons more than unhoused people in this order. I'm sure tennis coaches are at high risk. Well, and there's never a plan, there's never a plan
1: for unhoused people because subjectively they don't have value to capitalists.
2: Tennis coach, they need that they need that tennis lesson. All right, check this out. I just found out everything in this document that's yellow, it has been new. So yeah. all you got to read is the yellow parts because we are, we read everything else before, right? Didn't y'all memorize it before? Oh, yeah, I've read all. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you don't have to reread it. That's the yellow parts. All right, so this is new. Uh, you know, I work on set and in the industry. So all cast and crew who have contact with other cast and crew during their shifts are offered no cost. Face coverings. So before they didn't have to offer me no cost face coverings. Like, like wait, that's new. That's new. That's the new part. Yeah, yeah. What? That's the new part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. It's November. (laughs) Like, isn't that? If we put Democrats
0: in charge, we're gonna have a mask mandate. Like,
2: fuck, man. Like, wasn't that? Day one, we know you got to wear a mask. And then, yeah, you're telling me to come to work. Give me a fucking mask. Now it's part of the mandate. Now it is. Any hazard pay in, in there? Oh, no, no. Oh, uh-uh. no, uh, no, I'm, no, I'm word
0: no, searching no, hazard no, pay. Uh-huh.
1: No, we're yeah. normalizing the hazard of death by coronavirus.
2: <laughs> that's no longer a hazard. That's unfortunately, yeah. That's how it is now. Like, that's part of the whole thing. Like, after Parkland, the shooting, I was like, oh, something is going to change. Obviously, right. something is going to change. No, it didn't. When Trump first rolled around, grabbing by the pussy. He's a fucking racist. I was like, yo, I, I, this is not going to happen because it's past that line. He's over the line. No. He mm-hmm. went, King Bertha got elected president. And all these things keep happening to be like, we're not going to get to 500,000 dead because that's just death. Like, it's only money. Who cares? At some point, mm. fuck everything. We're just gonna live. We just gotta live. There's some food. Let's feed folks. Let's pause this whole bullshit until we get through fucking COVID. And then literally we could all restart from where we were. Like it's just like a two or three year pause. Nobody gets profits. No one loses shit. No more excess <laughs> debt. And then after that, it all comes back. What the fuck would happen? Why? In those three years, what the fuck would happen? Motherfuckers realize we don't need to go back. That's what would happen. That would be that. That's <laughs> what would happen, right? Wait, but like, like oh, well, I didn't need my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, all these things are being normalized, and this is just part of it. Like, you know, you watch a dystopian movie, and you're like, wow, how the fuck did they get there? It's like, yo, through steps like this. When you could normalize mass killings of children in school, that's right. normal. If I could mm-hmm. text y'all right now, it was like, yo, here's a link of a school shooting. Y'all wouldn't be surprised at the age of kids. Would would there be an age of kids where y'all would be like, oh, my gosh, and clutch some pearls? Oh, they killed five newborns. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. That's America. Yeah, we get guns and motherfuckers do what they do. That's not shocking. So, like, that's normalized. Mm -hmm. And then with 250,000, 300,000, like, this shit is exponential. It's growing at an exponential rate. 4,000 cases in four days. Like, we hit, we're hitting that point now. We're hitting that point. And these people are going to die. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, the Democrats are offering nothing. Absolutely nothing but get back to work.
0: Get, get, back, to work, yeah. get well, back
2: to work, peons. Get back to work. And so people
1: like, were, were yeah. yelling to get back to work too yeah. earlier in uh-huh. the year.
2: And also, it's it. like at some point, you internalize that nothing's going to change. The coolest brother on the planet came down here with hope and change, great-looking family, talking all this jive about changing shit. Eight years later, homie, nothing has changed. If anything, shit got worse. What did you do? Nothing. So, like, no matter how lib you are, you can't tell me you have an expectation of anything to change because your boy, super fucking black man, was president, and nothing changed. And you accepted it, and he's still your fucking god. So your gods are fucking people who are offering you nothing, and now you're giving me lesser Obama with light-skinned fucking Kamala Harris, and you're telling me that's going to change some shit? Like, and I have an expectation that I'm going to get anything from that? We know nothing is coming. Yeah, we know nothing is coming. Nothing is coming. Nothing. Nothing is coming whatsoever. But we'll see what happens we'll see i I disagree vic
1: we will get something we will return to the days when we pretend that sexual assault is bad when we pretend the death of workers is bad when we pretend to care about homeless folks and i say pretend because i actually think that donald trump for his vileness uh he just decided to stop pretending that these things were weren't normal in our culture, I think that they were normal. We just had this, exactly as you're saying, the pearl clutching. The pearl clutching was a normalized part of our culture as well. Mm. And I think that Donald Trump was instrumental in tearing that mask off. And I think we need to be instrumental in tearing that mask off in terms of the basically the, the, the situation where the death of workers, the blood of workers, is essential for the machinations of the rich. For the rich in this country and the world
0: Either. but obviously what what we've just said is not very palpable when you phrase it that way to the american people right so let's zoom in on long beach a little bit right everything is like a democratic stronghold you know every fucking democrat tries to copy obama shtick uh, young democrats so let's take our mayor robert garcia for example um you mean young republican club right Yes, younger Repo- famously founder of Young Republican Club. Yeah, not 20s. lifelong Democrat. In his twenties,
2: <laughs>
0: okay. He didn't always do it, but um, like they have to distract from this, right? They have to say things like our governor and our Gavin Newsom and our our mayor Robert Garcia have to say things like we believe science, let's follow science, yabba, yabba, yabba. Uh, here's here's a a two hundred and sixteen page health order. Look how seriously we're taking this, but. All this is is a way to distract, right, from the central thing of businesses are going to reopen, they're going to do business, you're going to get sick and die and that's just how it's going to be, but we're going to ban other things to make it look like we're taking this seriously. So, you know, we're going to ban Thanksgiving, we're going to ban family gatherings, we're going to ban things that probably should be banned right now because it's a pandemic, don't get me wrong. But, you know, we're going to we're going to saw we're going to put a little band-aid on your cut and we're not going to treat the cancer, you know. Um to specifically in this order, let's take restaurants for example, right? Okay, C- cur- uh, cases are surging, right? The the city and state are saying that this is serious. We need to do something more extreme. I, I want you guys to just guess, like what what's changing for restaurants, right? Because now we can do outdoor dining and takeout, right? So what's changed? Like th- this is worse. That this is the lockdown. What does the lockdown look like? Uh, stopping business after ten like is that ding 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 that's it dude literally that's all it says here that restaurants wineries sit down dine in whatever um they must close between 10 p.m and 5 p.m daily but maybe they're open for drive through, curbside door or other outdoor pickup and delivery only that's it man like i feel safer I don't know like about y'all. Who was who during the pandemic was going to dinner at eleven PM anyway, outdoor or indoor? Actually, it's not even clear here. It doesn't even specifically mention that you have to do outdoor
2: dining, which I thought was required in Long Beach. I think it's required in on the state level. I mean sorry, the county level. I haven't seen it in Long Beach though.
0: <sighs> you know, listen, we have no love for
2: business owners here.
0: But let's say you run a restaurant, right? Oh Lord. Oh man or you, you're you're an employee or an owner, whatever, whoever you are, and you, in good faith, want to follow the guidelines, you need to make a living, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, you have to, it literally says here, check this Long Beach City website often. You got to check the county. You got to check the state. Like, we always say we're materialists, right? On a practical level, if you make a law that nobody knows about or follows, does the law really exist? Yeah. That characterizes so much law. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> so much law. <laughs> True. Um. So, this, you know, the reason we criticize these health orders so much is that they are basically a distraction from what really needs to happen, right?
2: Well, while Gavin Newsom was writing up this brand new safer at home order, what else was he doing, Jordan? Where was he?
0: Hmm, funny you say that because right as the lockdowns got worse, uh, Gavin Newsom got in a little bit of trouble for going to a
2: fancy Probably one of the fanciest restaurants in California. No, no, no. They are fancy restaurants. This is beyond that. This is, like, beyond that. This is, like, there is no other level of fancy restaurant than this. That's it. Three Michelin stars. Well, funny you say that because he went to – I'll be honest. These are the type of
0: places that I've heard of but I would never have conceived of going to because, like, I can't even, like, imagine how much money I would have to have to – like, I'd be afraid to go because I'd be worried – that when the bill came, my fucking checking account might bounce. Like, this is the type of place we're talking about. He was eating at the French Laundry, I believe in um, Napa, his, uh, you know, his nesting grounds, so to speak, where he molts and stuff. Um, He went to this really fancy, famous three-star Michelin restaurant called the French Laundry uh, with about 12 people, including some top lobbyists who... Honestly, some of these motherfuckers. The most disturbing thing about the story is looking at their faces because there's some weird-looking lobbyists in this room with him. Uh, There's about twelve people around a table, Knights of the Round Table style. No masks in these photos. Um, And I want to just say, what really disappoints me about this is the French Laundry is kind of has been restaurant. You know, it was popular fifteen years ago, maybe two thousand five. I just think for such a trendy governor, should he really be eating at places that you know aren't? aren't trendy anymore isn't he supposed to be on the cutting edge
2: that's not cutting edge no not at all maybe in 2002 but like come on dude he should be eating at atelier Atelier. i can't even say these names oh that's a fucking straight french restaurant that's why (laughs) yeah this shit is sick man i'm too poor to say this i'm too (laughs) poor to like report on this well, as a champagne. haven't received the proper training <laughs> as a champagne socialist i've eaten at restaurants like this i enjoy going to restaurants like this like i i like food i like cooking and people who take food serious on such a level like yeah i enjoy shit like that but i made a decision with my partner to be like yo w- can we go to restaurants we thought about this like in april and in, in may it's like Well, what are the rules? Well, they got to follow X rules. Okay, well, if they're following the rules, I guess it's okay. Well, are they paying their workers' hazard pay? I don't know. How do you find out if the restaurants are paying their workers' hazard pay or not? There's, There's no list to find that out. It's like, okay. Well, some people are advertising that, like, you know, workers are saying, hey, come on down, we need help, blah, 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 come down to the restaurant, everything is safe. It's like, well, is that worker being coerced to do that commercial or that Instagram ad? Can I really believe it? Can I trust it? There's a profit motive involved now. And then we just reset, like, yeah, there's too many factors of maybe putting people at risk, not knowing exactly what to do. And like you said, these restaurant owners don't have the proper protocols laid out where they could just follow the rules. So because of all these factors, guess what? In my household, we don't go out to restaurants. That's just how it is. That's the rule for the pandemic. That's off the table because... It just is. And this was like months ago. Sat down, thought about it, was like, yo, that's probably not cool. Too many people at risk. And to see this guy put out this fucking curfew, safe at home order, and then eat at a fancy restaurant, I don't know why, but this thing just it makes my blood boil to a way other things don't. Like, this to me is like Nancy Pelosi showing me her fancy ice creams in her two $12,000 fridges. Like, this is some Marie Antoinette shit. Like, yo, let them eat cake. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm going to go eat my restaurant. Y'all need to stay home. Like, don't give me that shit. Like, It's, it's so honestly- characteristic of liberal Democrats,
1: too, where they, <laughs> they, they try to assume this morally superior high ground and, like, you know, wag their finger. Like, uh-huh. no, 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 that's bad. That's bad. Whereas we get Republicans who, like, say something's bad, but they 100% never mean it, and then they'll just do something completely contrary, and it's like... Oh, you did that? You're a hypocrite. And they're just like, fuck you. But then Libs, you know, they do something completely contrary to what, you know, they should be doing in quotes. And they're just like, oh, you're right. I feel bad. Sorry.
2: He apologized. Gavin Newsom apologized.
0: He said it was a mistake. We're all human. You know, uh, listen, first off, I think that's a big, bold claim for Gavin Newsom to make because (laughs) we have no evidence that he is human. Okay. (laughs) There's a lot of evidence against it. I'm just going to say that.
2: <laughs> he was married to Gilfoyle for a while. Like that, I know she fucking feeds off life forces. I know he's alive. That's all I could say. Human, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a big claim. Alive for sure. Human, I don't know. Um, but like
0: this, this. It's a little too on the nose, right? I think that's yes. why it's, like, so yes. extra annoying, think, right? Yeah. It's just, like, it's a little too on the nose because it not only shows hypocrisy on the issue of COVID itself, but really what we're really mad about, which is, like, the division of class in this country, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, listen, pores, hustle up. Okay. You don't get to be with your family. Thanksgiving? We're not doing that this year. Mm-hmm. Seeing your grandma? Sorry. We just couldn't g- get enough tests together. Uh, you know... You are allowed to go to work. You are not allowed to do anything fun because it is not considered essential. Uh, A sock store is considered essential (laughs) enough to be open, but not, you know, your family gatherings. But we, we're going to do what we want. People like me, people like Gavin Newsom, like we get to go to the restaurant that you work at and like not wear a mask and like sit with 12 fucking people. Like, and you know what? Fuck you. What are you going to do about it? Take me out of office? they's like replace me with some other uh you know lizard ooh, person yeah, like ooh, yeah. what are you going to do yeah, the lobbying work
1: gets done at the restaurants mm-hmm. we they, literally it was a here.
2: birthday party for a lobbyist
1: oh that's great described that is, as a friend of the governor
2: this is one of the stories i can't look deeper into cuz the deeper i look into it like even now i'm getting my inside is like rumbling and fire mm-hmm. is coming from the inside the deeper i look into it to be like, well, this can't be. Well, let's let's to take it back.
0: Just my last thing here would be locally, right? So let's take, I mean, last, you know, on our last episode, we went to brunch on Pine Street, right? On Pine Street, I go down there. I see, especially during the Lakers games, there people are ass to elbows outdoors, right? So I want to put out a bounty to all the weight podcast listeners. If you are downtown, I want you to do what I do. I want you to check Portuguese Bend, um what's some other good ones uh what's that what's the irish bar down there shannon's
1: oh yeah shannon's
0: yeah you need to check shannon's um and all the other trendy restaurants down there i need you to look for robert garcia okay because if i can get a photo of robert garcia sitting around a table like gavin newsom send it to us directly i would love to watermark it like fox la did
2: with weight podcast exclusive that'd be awesome
0: because I promise you he's fucking doing it. The man loves brunch more than of course. anything else. Like,
2: of course. They are all out there doing that shit, man. No they shit. Don't, they don't see like, it of course. as a time to stay home.
0: It doesn't apply to them. They get they still get to go to brunch and have fun. It doesn't yeah. apply to us. I mean, they get they get tested.
1: They know regular on the regular, hey, I'm negative, you know? Yeah, I'm good. They're also also, you know, we have these vaccine news. The political class, they're gonna be getting it soon. We're going to still be stuck indoors, stay at home orders for six months. Political class, rich people, they're going to
2: have vaccines. <laughs> and on that note, okay. yeah, we could wrap it up, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, action. We, yeah. Even though
1: you did give a call to action, Jordan,
0: to yeah, try do you have Garcia any calls to action that aren't uh, trying to take a picture photo of the mayor at brunch <laughs> with like 12 people We'll totally blasted? I mean, there's always
1: the general one, which is, like, what the fuck are you doing to to organize?
0: Yeah.
2: Do you want to lead general, us in that, like
0: involved. Uh, How about... Uh, Sure, okay. I could lead us in that. Do, how about you start... You say something like, is there any calls to action that aren't, like, uh, trying to get a photo of the mayor at brunch or something like that?
1: All right, all right, all right, all right. You know what? Not all of us have... Uh, photography skills i know that personally i fucking hate taking photos and i'm terrible at it um
0: so what what can we do what could i do in the coming days well that's a good question right i think a lot of people are struggling with this uh in the post-election i don't want to call it slump but this happens every winter like you know folks get kind of burnt out with you know the budget passes election happens whatever it is like we fight pretty hard Um, So I just want to say to folks, my call to action would be, instead of like, you know, uh, trying to have the like balls to the wall, pedal to the metal energy of like the election, maybe take some time to try to do a little quote unquote organizing self-care. So, you know, call those comrades that you haven't been talking to because (laughs) you've been so busy doing other stuff that they don't organize with, you know, try to build some power in your chapter that is like kind of low stakes, maybe a social, Zoom social, whatever it is, right? Like, you know this work is important, but we can't always, in my mind, have our pedal or sorry, our foot on the gas pedal. It's just impossible. We're human beings. So I've been taking time to try to like not just get my life together, but try to build you know the capacity locally by you know among my chapter by kind of just you know doing the doing the house cleaning that wasn't getting done right. You know, spring cleaning. Like you need to. You can't just keep running. You know all
2: uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, just making those phone calls and keeping in touch with folks in your network and your organizing network is a lot.
0: hundred percent of
2: Yeah, it helps. It helps, like, when shit hits the fan to know that you have people in your corner and people that you call and talk to about certain issues. It definitely helps. It's not always about, you know, trying to build a guillotine. Right, yeah, I had a call
1: with a member of our chapter who I don't usually relate to outside of politics and it was actually really great just to talk and be like, what's up? How you doing? Do some emotional connection Um, because how are you going to fight for people if you don't have that emotional connection?
2: Word.
0: Exactly. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. This is Jordan. This is Miles. And I'm Vic. And don't forget to ask yourself, wait, why Why am I I talking?